Well, praise God. Somebody's saying, well, what's going to happen next? I really don't know, but I know the Lord's here, so I'm going to go ahead and start in the Word of God, and we'll see what God does. Again, so good to see all of you here, and those online with us. We, we thank the Lord for all of you, and praise God. It's a great day to be alive. We greet all of our guests who are online, worshiping with us, all of our friends and people who are shut in. We're very happy that you are able to be with us by live stream. And we did pray for little Gage Kimball this morning because he wasn't feeling well. And so we shout out to Gage and to anybody who may not be feeling all that great. Thank God. I'm glad I can say I feel wonderful. Hallelujah. How about you? Praise God. God's good to us. So I'm going to the book of John. I'm going to go to chapter 21. And I I really believe that God is going to talk to us today. So would you just kind of forget about what you were doing before church and what you're going to do after church? And, and anybody who may be sitting around you, just pretend they don't exist. And for the next few moments, I want you just to listen intently and, and let God speak to your hearts. Is that okay? All right. So we're going to the book of John, chapter 21, and I'm going to read from verse 15. So when they had dined... Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, liftest thou me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. And I felt led of the Lord to speak this morning on this subject. Lovest thou me more than these? Father in heaven, we give you praise. We give you glory. I ask for a special anointing upon me today. I ask for a special anointing upon these people, all those who are with us in the building and online. I pray that a special presence of God would fill the room and that our hearts would be tender to the Lord and that our eyes would see and our ears would hear the things that you would have us to know. Father, let us not be hard. Let us not be distant. But help us, O oh Lord God, to be closer to you than we've ever been. I pray in the name of Jesus. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. 
And interestingly, three years ago from this moment, Simon, Peter, and Andrew had been fishing this same Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. When Jesus had come, remember, and stood on the shore and called, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Oh, three years ago, they had immediately left their nets and followed Jesus, and they were thrilled to answer the call of Jesus. At some point in life, you see, God provides a way of escape out of the horror of a Christless life. In every person's life, there is a distinct time. It can go from here to here or from here to here. Some I've seen only get one day. Others I've seen, God has given them years. And I don't know who God gives how much time. But I do know that in every person's life, there comes a call that provides an escape from the emptiness of an existence without direction of a life without real meaning, without eternal purpose. We get so caught up on this life, we forget that nobody's staying here. Everybody's leaving here. We're going somewhere else where we will live forever and ever and ever. And Simon and Andrew had been so thrilled to drop what they were doing and to answer the call of Jesus. Why? They pulled their boat to shore. They hopped over the side and they never looked back. That had been three years ago. James and John were employed in their family fishing business just as previous generations. It was a, a wonderful econ economical trade that they had. And, and Jesus walked with purposeful strides to the water's edge and said, James, John, will you follow me? Now, this doesn't, this doesn't just happen every day. These two guys, James and John, without a moment's hesitation, dropped their nets, walked, left the family business, left the fishing vessel, and their father. You might say, oh, what a sacrifice that was. You think so? Let me tell you what the call of God does for people. The call of God will never be something that takes you down. The call of God always elevates. The call of God lifted these anonymous, mediocre fishermen who fished on a lake the size of Moosehead Lake, which we call the Sea of Galilee, and they would fish all night and clean nets all day. And when Jesus walked up and said, follow me, he elevated them. Now, there's very few places in the world where people will say, well, I've never heard of John. Very few places. I've never heard of James, the apostle. Uh, I've never heard of Peter or Andrew. No, no. You'll see churches named after them. You'll see their names everywhere. Thousands of years have gone by. They would have died like they were born in anonymity. They would have died uh, unknown to everyone. But the call of God elevated them. Brought them into a friendship with Christ. A fellowship. It changed their lives why, they had seen miracles and participated in miracles. 
unclean spirits had been cast out and, and fevers healed and, and they watched with awe as lepers were cleansed and the paralyzed made to walk and the blind with their sight restored and the deaf hearing and the lame walking. And they saw and were participants in many of those miracles. You see, I'm going to tell you that in 2022, the call of God is not something to run from. The call of God will bring you up out of hopelessness. The call of God will bring you up out of despair. The call of God will bring you up out of misery. The call of God will bring you up out of fear. And so they, Jesus called them and they answered and their answer was, they said, yes. Well, that had been three years ago. But the traumatic events of the past few weeks had proven too much, even for Simon Peter and his friends. You see, in the last few weeks before our text that we read to you, the disciples had gone to Jerusalem. They had, had experienced a roller coaster series of events. Why, it's just been days since the triumphal entry. The expectation of a new kingdom. Their hearts swelling with pride as people cried, Hosanna! Hosanna! And then followed in quick succession a betrayal by one of their own trusted of the twelve. The arrest. The denial of Jesus by Peter. The agonizing crucifixion of their Lord and Savior, Jesus. And then back up to the heights of ecstasy, the resurrection and, and the manifestations of, of the risen Lord. So can you imagine with me that their emotions had been taken up and down, up and down, like a violent roller coaster, and they were a bit dazed and confused. So human and so unsure of the future. Now, in our text, John did not explain why Peter decided to go fishing. He just says, Peter said, I go fishing. Doesn't tell us why. Peter had a family to support, though. We know that. Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law at one point of a fever. So he had a family to support, and he needed to pay his bills. And the way he was familiar with making money was fishing. Peter had been called from the life of a fisherman to, to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. We are left to wonder why Peter goes back to fishing. We know why he goes to Galilee. We know that because he had been told by the risen Christ that they were to go to Galilee and he would meet them there, but the arranged meeting place was not the sea. It was a mountain. Matthew 28, 16, then the 11 disciples went into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. He had told them to meet him at a mountain in Galilee. And if the disciples were to meet Jesus on a mountain, what were they doing out on the sea in a boat? No one told them to fish, but that's what they did. And so the Bible simply says, John records in John 21 and 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. 
And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Now stay with me for a minute, because this gets pretty interesting. Peter had quit fishing three years ago when Jesus called him to be a fisher of men. He had dropped the nets, remember, and he had followed after the Lord. And we have not seen him fish since, except, except when Jesus had told him one time to go down to the shore and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish he caught, and Jesus said, you will find a coin to cover the taxes for both of us, take it and pay them. So that's the only time we know of Peter going back and fishing after he had forsaken the nets three years prior. Why is he fishing now? Especially now. Jesus, hey folks, Jesus has risen from the dead. Why go back to fishing now? Peter has seen the empty tomb. Are you with me this morning? Peter's seen the empty tomb. He knows the Lord has resurrected. But Peter is struggling. He's human. He's struggling. His thoughts are far from the Sea of Galilee. His mind is probably going back and reliving one anguished night in Jerusalem. He's remembering as the boat rocked. His memories are racing and he hears again the clanking of the guard. He sees in his memory the flash of a sword and the duck of a head and a touch from Malchus and a rebuke for him. And he sees the soldiers leading his best friend he ever had away. And I think if you listen close and got down in Peter's face, you would hear him mumbling something that his friends never heard as he's out there fishing. And I can hear him saying, what was I thinking? Why did I run? What was I thinking of? Why did I run? When that lady came and said, you're with them, why didn't I stand up and say proudly, yes, I am with him. But I ran. And I swore. What was I thinking? Now, remember, this was not the first night that Peter has spent on the Sea of Galilee. Remember, he was a fisherman. He, like others, worked at night. He knew the fish would feed near the surface during the cool of night and return to the deep during the day. No, this wasn't the first night Peter had spent on the Sea of Galilee. Nor was it the first night that he had caught nothing. How well he remembered at the time when Jesus had called him. How Jesus had commanded three years ago, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said, Master, we've toiled all night. I have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break three years prior. That was when Peter had answered the call of the Lord and had forsaken all. Boats, nets, everything. He said, I'm laying it all down for the joy of the Lord. 
I'm going to serve the Lord. This one here is Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. He turned his back on the sea. I know God's talking. The devil don't want you to hear this this morning. He had turned his back on the sea to follow Messiah. He had left the boats thinking he'd never return. This is my vocation. This is my calling. But now he's back, full circle. Same sea. Probably the same boat. Probably fishing from the same spot. Back in the boat on a lake. And once again, he's fished all night and caught nothing. His thoughts are interrupted, however, by a shout from the shore. He looks up and he hears somebody from the shore and he's not quite sure. He's busy and he hears somebody say, catch any fish? Probably a villager. No, they yell. And then the voice says, Try the other side. John looks at Peter. Well, what harm? So out sails the net. Peter wraps the rope around his wrist and he gets his feet braced on the side of the boat. He's so intense with the task that he misses the message. So intent on his task, he misses the message. John doesn't. Peter's got his foot braced on the side and sweat's pouring off him and he's pulling. He's a worker. John's going, Pete. Pete. Pete! What? It's him. It's him, Pete. This has happened before, Peter. This long night, the empty net, the call to cast again, fish flapping on the floor of the boat. Wait a minute. It's him. Peter, it's Jesus. Well, when Peter heard that, he lets go of the net and he plunges into the sea. And he goes ashore. And he stumbles out wet and shivering and stands in front of the Lord Savior, the best friend he ever had. And Jesus is standing there with a little smile on his face and he's got fish on a fire. I, I thought I had to go out and take care of myself. Jesus has given him a little illustration. What you were looking for out there, I provide. What you were looking for all night and didn't catch anything, I'm your provider. Look on the fire, and there, neatly arranged on the fire, are fish that are cooking. No need to return to your past occupation, Peter. If you'll just follow on, if you'll just stay true to your calling, I will take care of your needs. That is the message. Oh, Paul said it like this. He said, but, but my God 
shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Woo! But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches. You're going to get awfully disappointed if you return to your old lifestyle. You're going to be awfully discouraged if you go back to the way you were before you were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. But that's where human life will take you unless you stand up and say, No, 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 no! God called me! And when He called me, He promised me something better. My God! Anybody here? Able to say, he's your God? Yes, sir. No, 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 no. You can't say, my dad's God. My cousin's God. My spouse is God. You got to say, but my God shall supply all your needs. You know, if somebody right now was to begin to back up this preaching and begin to say, Preacher, you know what? There's a miracle on the way for me. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. You go ahead and sit there and be stately. You go ahead and sit there and, and, and just look at your watch a few times. And you're going to miss out. But somebody else is saying, oh God, you're, you're, there's a word coming for me right now. God, I'm facing a financial difficulty. But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Peter's bamboozled. He sits down with Jesus and they dined. And they're sitting there at the meal and he's thinking, wow, just like old times again, my best friend, my Savior, the resurrected Christ, sitting right on this rock beside me. And he's thinking, Thanking God and thinking in himself how happy it feels again to have Jesus. And that's when Jesus looked over at Peter and he's munching on his fish that have been fixed just perfectly. I mean, Jesus is the perfect chef. You've never had a fish like Jesus could fix I don't care how good you are. That, that fish isn't going to be as good as the one that Jesus fixed. And he's sitting there and he's, he's crunching on that fish. And that's when Jesus looked over at Peter and he said, Simon, Peter. Simon, son of Jonas. Lovest thou me more than these? Peter said, oh, Lord. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Okay, Lord, I'll take another piece of fish. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Lord, you, 
You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. A moment passes by and Jesus looks over at Peter and he says for the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Listen, folks. You may think, well, I told the Lord I loved him. That's enough. But I hear the Lord asking again, do you still love me? I know I've asked you once, and I'm going to ask you again, do you love me? Has it become old hat to you? Or are you just coming to do your weekly duty? Or you're just coming in, and the songs you're singing are now just phrases that you've memorized, and the heart is becoming cold. Or, or are you still remembering where you were when I called you? Do you remember where you were headed when I called? Oh, Lord, I've been in church a long time. I didn't ask you that. I ask you, do you remember where you were headed? Do you remember the dark night when you cried yourself to sleep in your pillow and I walked into your bedroom and I spoke to you the word of life? Do you still remember? Do you remember when the doctor said, you're sick and you're not going to get well? Prepare. Make your funeral arrangements. And I walked into your room and I said, I am the Lord God that healeth thee. I guess you don't, some of you don't understand why. I just feel like it's my duty every time I come to the house of God. I have this desire in my heart. I get frustrated if I'm not able to give God the praise. I want to give Him praise and glory because I, I have to tell you something. You see here, I'm all dressed up and everything. And that's okay, and I thank God for it. Thank you, Jesus. But I could have been an alcoholic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was what happened to my brother. I could have gotten messed up in some other areas like another one of my family members. I am no better than they are. But he reached down his hand. He had to reach way down to get me. Don't you ever expect pastor to walk in this church and give a sleepy praise God. I walk into the house of God and when I enter his courts, I enter his courts with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. I'm thankful unto him. I bless his name. I don't deserve to be here. Why, if everybody knew the skeletons in your closet, they may want to move a couple seats away from you. But he reached down his hand. He said, I love him. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? He's looking at the fish sandwich that's in Simon's hand. That's been his livelihood. That was his life. Do you, do you love me more than these? Or, or maybe Jesus was looking at the other disciples and saying, Simon, son of Jonas, 
you love me more than these? We ask him three times. Simon says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. you know, I know I'm, you're going to think this pastor's unflipped his lid, but I'll tell you, there's been many times I've prayed. And so, Lord, I know I love you, but if I don't love you, kill me. I don't want to live without loving the Lord. I love you, but I don't love you enough. Help me to love you more. That's been a prayer of mine since when I was just a young man. I have prayed, God, I love you, but I don't love you enough. Help me to love you more. You know why I, I know it's important? Because love is the most powerful force of any force. Love is the most powerful of all. It was because of love, God's love for us, that our Savior came. God so loved the world. He so loved that he gave. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And then I read, Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars, in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works. I appreciate, I, I see your labor. I, I know your patience. I see your patience. I, I appreciate the fact that you cannot bear them which are evil. And, and I, I thank God for your discerning how you've tried them which say they are apostles and, and are not. And by the way, anybody has to tell you they're an apostle, they are not. Tried them which say they are apostles and are not, has found them liars. I appreciate how you've borne the load and, and you've had patience. And, and for my namesake, you've done so much. You've labored and you've not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. I've been in this race a long time, God. It's been a lot more than three years for me. Please, God, don't let me leave my first love. You have to ask God for that. God, let me love you more today than I did yesterday, because if not, it's the law of diminishing returns. Do you remember when you first came to the house of God, you walked to an apostolic church and you felt... Remember, you know what I'm talking about? You felt it for the first time? Well, after you've been doing it for a long time, sometimes you can walk into the house of God. Same power, same presence, but it's not affecting you like it did. What's going on? You better rekindle that first love again, my friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to build a fire of that first love. He, he's got to be first in my love. And then Jesus warned, remember, therefore, from where you are fallen. Remember that energy. Remember that excitement. Remember that emotion that you felt for the Lord. Remember from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works. Do the things you used to do. 
or else I will come unto you quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Listen, am I in the book? I, I think I am. Let's, let's, let's take another statement from Jesus. In Matthew 24 and verse 12, Jesus said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall... Wax cold. It's a slow, insidious, so, so slow that it's almost imperceptible. Uh, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But the next verse says, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Here I am. I was just a boy of nine years old when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And now I'm in my 60s and I still am going to get excited about the Lord just like I did when God first gave me the Holy Ghost. Because he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. It doesn't matter how you used to get excited. It doesn't matter how you used to worship God. What matters is endure to the end. The same shall be saved. There's something about Simon, son of Jonas, livest thou me more than these. Still with me? Teresa Briones is a tender, loving mother. She also has a stout left hook that she used to punch a lady at a laundromat. I'm going to tell you why. Some kids were making fun of Teresa's daughter, Alicia. Alicia is bald. Her knees are arthritic. Her nose is pinched. Her hips are creaky. Her hearing is bad. She has the stamina of a 70-year-old, and she's only 10. Mom, the kids taunted, come and look at the monster. Alicia only weighs 22 pounds, and she's shorter than most preschoolers. She suffers from progeria. It's a, a genetic aging disease that strikes one child in eight million. The life expectancy for progeria victims is 20. There are only 15 known cases of this disease in the entire world. Mama stood up. She said, She is not an alien. She is not a monster. She is just like you and me. You see, mentally, Alicia is a bubbly, fun-loving third grader. She has a long list of friends. She plays with Barbie dolls, and she teases her younger brother. Teresa has grown accustomed to the glances and questions. She's patient under the constant curiosity, genuine inquiries she accepts. Insensitive slanders she does not. The mother of the finger-pointing children came to investigate. The mother came to investigate. I see it, she told her kids. 
And that's when the mama bear came up. She jumped to her feet and she said, my child is not an it. And she decked the woman. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for his kids. Is somebody hearing me? That's the kind of love that Jesus has for his kids. And, and he asks you and I, and he says, Do you love me more than these? It was later when the apostle Peter was an old man, just before his martyrdom, that he wrote in his epistle of 1 Peter 4 and 7. He said, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. He said, look, I'm, I'm about to go. I know it's my time is coming. Jesus had already prophesied, they're going to take you by the hand, and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. He said, I know the time's coming now. He said, but I want to tell you above all else, don't ever lose that intense, unfailing love that caused you to say yes to Jesus in the beginning. Have fervent charity. Have fervent love. Don't let your love be tepid. Don't let your love be lukewarm. He'll spew you out of his mouth. Let your love be intense. Boy, this is not going to go real well with somebody, perhaps. But I want you to hear what I'm saying. Jesus said, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. What, what are you saying? He's saying, love Jesus first and most. Love him more than you love your spouse. Love him more than you love your children. Love him more than you love your job. Love him more than you love your favorite hobby. Love him more than you love whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Love him first and love him most. Have fervent love. Paul the Apostle wrote that the love of Christ constraineth us. You ever read that? The love of Christ constraineth us. That, that word constraineth means compels us. What, what's your motivation? What, what, why are you here today? Are you here because, uh, well, uh, husband said we should, or wife said we should, or I know I have a duty to my kids, and, or I know that I should be there and it's my sacred duty. Okay, that's pretty good, but not quite good enough. Why are we here? Because the love of Christ compels me. My love for him, my love for Christ compels me. I, I love him. I love him more than I've ever loved anyone. I hear Christ asking someone in this building and someone online that is watching, you can't get away from this question. I hear Christ asking you, do you love me more than these You know, I'm concerned for some folks. I really truly am. They know the truth. 
They know what the Bible has to say. They know what they should be doing. But they're allowing their love to slowly start flickering. And they're still doing some good things, but they're doing it because, well, they should. But God wants you to do it because you love Him. And because He loves you. And the only way I can tell you that that will happen is if you make that a particular goal in your life. I'm going to try to love Jesus more today than I loved Him yesterday. I want Him to know I love Him. Well, how important is that? Well, I just read about a passage in 2 Thessalonians where people who miss the rapture will miss it basically because, not because they didn't know the truth, but because they didn't love the truth. And because they received not a love for the truth, they shall be deceived. You can tell people who are living for God because they should, as opposed to people who are living for God because they love the ones who do it because they should say, well, I have to do it and you have to do it too. This is something we should be doing. Somebody breaks the rules, you're quick to run to your spouse or your friend or somebody and you say, so-and-so broke the rules. You know why you're doing that? Because you're doing the rules, but you don't have your heart in it. You're doing it because it's expected. But when you start doing it because you love Jesus, if somebody else breaks the rules, you'll say, oh, God, love their heart. God, help them. Oh, God, touch them. Oh, God, bless them. Oh, God, help them. I just love serving the Lord. I just love doing the things I do. I love this way that Jesus has given to me. One day, uh, a poor boy was selling goods from door to door. He was paying his way through school. And he realized he had one dime left in his pocket. He was hungry. So, he decided he would ask for a meal at the next house. However, he lost his nerve when a lovely young woman opened the door. Instead of asking for a meal, he asked, would you mind if I could have a drink of water? But the young lady thought he looked hungry, so she brought him a large glass of milk, and he drank it slowly. And then he asked, biting his lip, how much do I owe you? Knowing he only had one dime in his pocket. She said, owe me? You don't owe me anything. Mom taught us never to accept pay for kindnesses. He said, then I thank you from my heart. And as Howard Kelly left that house, he not only felt stronger physically, but his faith in God and man was stronger also. He had been ready to give up and quit. Want to hear the rest of the story? Years later, that same young woman became critically ill. The local doctors were baffled. They finally sent her to the big city where they called in specialists 
to study her rare disease. Dr. Howard Kelly was called in for the consultation. When he heard the name of the town she came from, a, a strange light filled his eyes, and immediately he rose, went down the hall of the hospital to her room. He was dressed in his doctor's gown, and he went in to see her. He recognized her at once. He went back to the consult room, determined to do his best to save her life. And from that day, Dr. Kelly gave special attention to that case. And after a long struggle, the battle was won. Dr. Kelly requested the business office to pass the final bill to him for approval. He looked at it, then wrote something on the edge of the bill. and <laughs> Unusual, but he sent it to her room. She feared to open it, for she was sure it was going to take the rest of her life to pay. Finally, she got the courage up, and she looked, and something caught her attention on the side of the bill. She read these words, paid in full with one glass of milk, signed Dr. Howard Kelly. Isn't it something, the power of love? Isn't it something, the power, when we love God, when we have fervent charity among ourselves? Isn't it something how God will always give us back more than what we gave? Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, well, that changes everything, sir. You say, keep my commandments because I love you, not because I have to. That changes everything. Because you love me. It, it will be love that will help you to keep my commandments, he says. If you just love me, you'll be able to keep my commandments. But if you allow your love to grow cold, all of a sudden the things that Christ asks of you will become like, does he really want that much? Why should I have to do? Well, what's wrong with? And you're starting down the road, the gradual descent of leaving your first love. But quickly turn around and say, oh no. I keep his commandments because he loves me. He gives me the grace to do what I do. I'm thankful. It is a huge blessing. See, I remember when he saved me. Paid for by one glass of milk. I have this question and I come to a conclusion today. Lovest thou me more than these? Now, we're, we're, we've gone to a, a much higher level now. Do you love me more than... And you have... Oh, I know. God's already put in your head some of the things that you've been questioning. 
Some of the things that you thought, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is your love. That's the big deal. Oh, when the Lord gives us a word, sometimes it's not all that great tasting. But it's good when we chew it and swallow it and it nourishes us. Do you love me more than these? Well, what are you talking about? Well, for everybody, it's different things. Do you love me more than, and you fill in the blank. Do you love me more than comfort? Do you love me more than the thing that you like to do the most? Who's in the first place here? Would you do for the thing that you love the most what you will not do for Christ? Who's in first place? Well, it's just a little tiny bit. He just shifted a little bit. Oh, no, 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 no. Keep him in first place. He that endureth to the end. The same shall be saved. Love us thou me more than these. Now, I find it interesting today that this is the second time in about three or four days that God has spoken to somebody in this assembly or online on this very exact same subject. Wednesday night, the message was very similar. Does anybody remember the title, Wednesday night? Brother Pat, do you remember the title, Wednesday night? Because I can't remember the title. I want somebody to tell me. What? Thank you. The title Wednesday night was, What Does Jesus Mean to You? And I even mentioned this to the Lord when I was studying and praying. I said, Lord, you just said this Wednesday night. What does Jesus mean to you? And he comes back three days later and says, Preach, lovest thou me more than these? Ladies and gentlemen, when God begins to speak like that, that is a warning light going off. There's a siren Whoop, 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 whoop. You have an opportunity right now to correct something. You have, you have an opportunity to say, okay, here I am, Lord. I hear you loud and clear. Yes, Lord, just like you did Simon Peter. You asked Simon Peter three times, and you've talked to me about this twice now. It must be pretty important to you, Lord. And So today I bow my head before this congregation, and I ask you, Lord, help me to love you more than I've ever loved you. Let your love fill my heart, Lord, for perfect love casts out fear. Lord, let me love you and let the love of God live in my heart. Lord Jesus, I want to love you more than anything, more than all of these. I've seen people walk away from God because a family member didn't like what they were doing. 
I've seen people walk away from God because of finances. I've seen people walk away from God because a child wasn't happy with what they were doing. You name it, I've seen it. I've seen people walk away from God for just about any reason that you can think of. And it always boils down to one thing. Lovest thou me more than these? As long as you'll love Jesus first and most, you will make it. You will make it. I'm talking to people who have already been converted now. To those who are unconverted, you need to be born of water and spirit. That's a fact. But to those of you who started living for God, like Peter, who had started out years before, and Jesus has to bring him back to the same boat, to the same shore, where he had called him three years prior and said, cast your net on the other side. He has to do it again. And then he says, Simon, I just got to ask you one question. I'm going to ask you three times. Do you love me more than these? The devil's gambling that you won't. That you'll just dive in and dive right back out. That you'll be a, a piece of the field that has a rocky shelf just inches below the surface and that your roots won't go down and wrap around the rock Christ Jesus. Or he's hoping that you'll be thorny ground, that you'll be so distracted by everything that's going on that thorns and thistles of life will grow up and make you unfruitful. He's not just hoping that for you. He's hoping that for those who God intended you to save. If I told you there were people standing back saying, they won't stay with it very long. You watch. As a matter of fact, I would go so far to say that there's probably bets being made in hell right now. I bet you. I bet she won't stick with it. I bet he won't. And somebody's got to say, you know what? I love Jesus more than these. I love my kids. I love my wife. I I love my family with all of my heart. I love you. But Jesus, I love you more than these. Now with your head bowed, and I appreciate the fact that someone has already come to the altar un, unbidden by me, but bidden by the Holy Ghost. Who in this building has God spoken to this morning? And who online has God spoken to this morning? And is there anybody that hears God say to you again, do you love me more than these? And you have to give an answer. It can't be maybe, it can't be almost. It's either yes or no. It's a yes or no, pass or fail. Do you love me more than these? And then the thing I would say to you is just pray that God would help you to love Jesus more than you love anything in this world or anybody. I want the Lord to hear me say, Lord, 
you know I love you. And then I hear him say, then be about my business. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. You can tell how much a person loves by what kind of time they're willing to put into that love. What, 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 are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, I'm doing this because I, I love Jesus. You know, it's, it, it, they're saying that the weather's going to be bad this evening. And I'm not encouraging anybody to travel on bad roads. I'm just saying, I love Jesus most. Uh, uh, you, you know, you, you got to get up and go to work in the morning and, and you're going to be tired. I, I understand, but I, but I love Jesus most. Uh, you, you know you can make a lot more money if you take that job where you have to miss church uh, two or three Sundays a month, but you'll make a lot more. Yes, but I love Jesus most. I love him most. And that's why I'm still here. Because when Jesus slips to second place, your ship is starting to drift. You may not notice it first. It may not even show up for a whole six months. But at some point, you'll open your eyes and you're going to be a long way from safety. And you're going to wonder, how did I get out here? And the answer is going to be, you drifted. The love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end. What does that mean? That means keep your love burning for Jesus. You know, sometimes I don't feel like worshiping God, and I, and I do it anyhow because I know how this body is. If I give in to that, I'm going to be one of these Baptocostals. No. No, I'm an apostolic. The fire has to burn hot. You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, this is the way I am. I'm either in it all the way or I'm out all the way. I can't be one of these halfway people. And I am preaching to somebody, the Lord just showed me somebody in this building, that God has a ministry for you to do if you would just commit yourself to be what he wants you to be. You've been so concerned about what it might cost you. And when I think about what the Lord has done for you, I am amazed. Some of you, we should have been treading the quarters of a funeral home together, weeping. Some of us would already be in an intensive care unit somewhere with a ventilator that's going up and down. But Jesus, in his mercy, came. Some of us should not have the ability to stand and balance because your sense of balance was almost gone and the Lord turned around and healed you. And some of you would have lost kids uh, to the world and, and they would be dead and, and already in the grave. But Jesus was merciful. Now, I want to ask you this question. Lovest thou me more than these? 
Brother, I feel the Holy Ghost burning in my heart right now. God is calling somebody to step out in their love for God and to make a deeper dedication than you've ever made in your life. God is calling you out of the, out of the spectator box in the participant's arena. He's calling you out of the, the half-asleep. Well, I need to do it because I'm supposed to do it. I got to do it. I'm supposed to do it. Get out of there. And go into the arena and say, Lord, I just want you to know I love you today more than I've ever loved you. Remember when you gave me the Holy Ghost? That was wonderful, God. But I ask you to let me love you more now than I did when I first received the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody that would pray with me that prayer? Lord, uh, you remember how excited I was when I was baptized in Jesus' name. And that was wonderful. But Lord, I want to love you now more than I loved you when I was baptized in Jesus' name. Lord, let my heart burn with love for you again. I ask in the name of Jesus, fill my heart with your love. But I can do what you want me to do, and I can do it cheerfully. I can do it gladly. The Holy Ghost reveals to me that there's been some conversations going on at home, and you discuss some of these very things, have you not? And isn't it amazing how that the Lord, who loves us and cares for us, brings us into the house of God and says, now, let's correct this before it gets any worse. Well, what do you mean? I mean, God is saying, do you love me more than these? And, and you say, well, I've been going to church for X amount of years. You know I love you. That's not what I ask. I ask you, do you love me more than these? And you have to say, yes. Or the answer is an emphatic no. I will rise with Joshua. I will stand on the windswept plains one more time. And I will lift my hands and say, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's my decision and it's final. I have not I have not changed my mind. I am not going to change my mind. I am determined to love Jesus. Is there anybody else in the house that feels that way about it? Make your way forward if you want to. Only if your heart tells you to. If you don't care, then that's fine. But if it's something that you feel in your heart, I need to respond. I need God to know that I love him now more than I've ever loved him. And I'm asking him to help me love him more. Lord, I love you, but I'll admit to you, I need to love you more. So I'm asking you, Lord, help me to love you more. And I know that you're going to endure. I know you're going to make it. I know we're going to make it. I know God's got his hand on us. I know that we're going to survive and thrive. 